1: Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Damaris
2: Lewis, Sports Illustrated model, is joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. You have
1: great personality. You can hear it in your voice, Would you date, an NBA player.
3: I'm open to anything, but yes. respect, old school, chivalry. Like, I listen to Sinatra in the morning. You need to accept
1: that. <laughs> no. So I hear you're, you're single, then. <laughs> with your host, Calium Anderson, stop
2: it now, behind his head, Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest
0: should have been our First guest, Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA with the rules the way they are? Be honest. Uh, Average.
2: <laughs> we will win a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times.
1: Hey, too. Can I say this first? <laughs> you
4: when know you.
2: When can. I started covering the
1: Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. Now it's time for the tip-off.
4: Happy birthday. Your birthday. It's your birthday.
2: Happy birthday to you. It's your birthday. Yeah, you guys gotta get it live the Hangtime Podcast. Happy birthday.
0: Oh, I <laughs> What's birthday?
2: It's my it's birthday, Shakers man. Birthday. What is it? You guys got the wiggles oh, up? Just... I mean, I'm <laughs> This this is this is Jay Wall and Greg Waygan, our super producer in here playing games. Well listen. As much as I wish, as I was still like a kid or sixteen, you could at least pull Stevie Wonder out of your hat, or you know Marilyn Monroe, track the anything. Muppets. Freaking wow, wiggles, the freaking birthday, wiggles, man. You, man. Appreciate it, you, Ricker. Straight? Man, I'm 29. How old are you, brother? 29, brother. 29. 29, baby, again for about the 11th time. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's tough being 29 every year. You know what I'm saying? It's
1: the big. It's not the big flaw, is
2: it? Yeah, man. I'm. I have crossed the threshold, brother. Wow! Um, yeah, my my, you know, and the kids think I'm like a thousand, you know. They they come up squeezing my neck this early this morning, like, "Oh, happy birthday!" Like I'm a hundred, like you know. We happy birthday. This might be it, you know. I'm like, man, I ain't that old, you know. Good grief!
0: I saw. I'll take credit or blame for this because I I was <laughs> I was on uh I was on Twitter uh or Facebook last night and I saw that it was your birthday today, so <laughs> I, I sent Greg an email and I uh, said maybe uh, yeah, we should. Let's do a little something,
2: man. So. You guys, uh, listen. C- couldn't be in a how better you place. Celebrate,
0: man. How you
1: gonna celebrate.
2: We're getting ready to do the Hang Time Podcast. That's how I'm gonna celebrate, man. I'm doing my <laughs> oh, favorite thing. Well,
1: Birthday, well, let me wind up a rant for you. Birthday just happened to fall on.
2: Birthday just happened to my favorite day of the week, baby. Rick's Rant Wednesday on the Hang Time Podcast. <laughs>
0: the podcast <laughs> didn't fall on us. You
2: fell. On us. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, you know what? And this, it is a having a May birthday it used to be a plague back in the day. Like in high school, you know, you have your birthday at the end of the year when everybody's ready to get out of school so they could care less about your birthday. In college, you have a birthday that falls when nobody else is around. You get out of school before May fifteenth in college, so, you know, people scatter. Now my birthday falls during the NBA playoffs every year. How perfect is that? I mean you can't you can't beat a Wednesday birthday in the playoffs with the NBA, you know, postseason going full tilt and we and we look around and Rick since we mentioned you, the th- what's up with your Thunder, baby? That that that
1: that bragging rights oh, pick for the postseason is looking shaky. Oh man, you know what? What's happening to them is a Memphis team that that <laughs> plays inside inside out and and actually controls the paint and has actually taken the air out of the ball. Like I said, they would, uh, and it slowed it down. And you got games in the '80s, games that require you know more than just Kevin Durant to deliver, and without Russell Westbrook. Things have gotten extremely tight for everyone else. Yeah,
2: you what, are you what,
0: surprised, Lang? What what Saker didn't say was, "Hey guys, my pick of the Memphis Grizzlies is looking pretty good, right?" I, now. I don't, have to, I don't right. have to throw that
2: in y'all's face every time. I'm going. I'm going <laughs> to wait until we get to the finals, <laughs> and we're and we're all on Beale Street, you know, uh, chilling out. And then I'm I'm just going to drop that in in conversation at some point.
1: That, well, man? I don't know. With San Antonio putting uh, <laughs> putting uh, muscle on uh, Golden State, going up yeah. three two.
2: Yeah, they they pulled a they pulled a get off my lawn and, and ruined a great they they ruined a great postseason story. Last week I was all hyped up about, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson being like the future of the NBA. And the Spurs have put a put a damper on that thing. I mean, they have shut that down. Both those guys have struggled. Um, you know, since the weekend against the Spurs team. You think the Spurs Lang, they got enough to to grind out one more finals run, you think?
0: I think Spurs-Grizzlies, if that's what we end up with, um, is going to be a war.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, I, I've been impressed with the Spurs. Uh, you know, the, the Warriors made them look old uh, early in that series. Yeah. And the Spurs adjust, and they figure out what to do. And then, especially, like, that game last night, uh, at no point did I think they were going to blow them out. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was a close game, and, and but they, they managed to – basically shut down Klay Thompson and, and slow down Steph Curry. And and after that, there's not a lot that can beat you on, on golden state. And so the Spurs figure it out and they do it and they execute and they, uh, you know, they find matchups that work. And, you know, even the, I thought it was last night during the game when they had Bonner in the game, uh, the warriors just ISO Bonner every single time and went at him <laughs> with whoever he was. Right. He, he was guarding on that play and the Spurs stuck with him for a while. And they, they managed to figure out they helped and they, they, you know they they ended up were kind of running away with that game
2: do you Rick do you look at the yeah. at the warriors and see i mean to me it's like watching them go through the growing pains in this series like every night you see the growing pains like young guys who haven't been in these positions before who just are not at at certain times in games they don't make the play the winning plays that you need to make and and you only learn how to do that having gone through the process
1: yeah you, you, you what they've gained was with uh, immaturity of not knowing, not knowing that they shouldn't play, be playing as well as they're playing or mm-hmm. they shouldn't be in the position they're in, has now come to the point where uh, when a, a veteran team actually puts you in positions that forces you to make the decisions, then the careless uh, fling, flinging of the ball with one hand here and there and, and the quick shots and, and the mental or defensive lapses show up and they're, they're glaring now as a, a series goes along and a team is under more and more pressure to, to you know, to, to remain either within the series or to close out a series. And Golden State just doesn't have enough of that experience right now. And San Antonio has that on, on their pinky finger. Yeah. And so as, yeah. as old men running around, they still know how to, you know, ratchet the screws in certain areas in, the, in a 48-minute game that, you know, create the type of pressure that, that, you know, and then they capitalize on the mistakes.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think if there's one thing we've seen with Golden State, I mean, don't you guys think if San Antonio can just keep it close until there's about five minutes to go, Golden State doesn't know how to To, to, to close games. these games, yeah. They can yeah. bait them in the No, no, yeah. right. Yeah. They'll beat themselves.
1: Yeah. And, and, and quite frankly, um, it, it, is, it is through a, a, an experience around the value of a basketball possession. Yeah, you, know, you can you know you can say hey guys we need to take care of the ball or hey guys we need to get a really good shot. What is a good shot to that young team is anytime they're open. <laughs> you, know, that's how they, you know, I mean because they've been in, in Mark Jackson who I love and, and is motivating, has chosen to motivate his young players by basically annoying them way ahead of schedule,
4: yeah. which
1: could have I think could have what could have worked and may end up being true that they may end up being that dynamic duo that, that's the best of all, but. It, it also heaps some pressure on them to deliver now, yeah. and and uh, and each moment they don't, each game they have a, a less than stellar performance, then they you know raise questions in their own mind like oh man like you know, so so I think they just they just right now are a little bit they've had some success but they're definitely finding out what second round basketball is all about and they'll be better for it next year.
2: Yeah, I, I I'm gonna admit I'm surprised. That the Get Off My Lawn All Stars have have mustered up this kind of effort in the postseason. I didn't think I didn't know what we get from Manu. Um,
4: yeah. And it's yeah. been up
2: and down, of course. I mean, the famous glares and stares from Greg Popovich, you know, when he's not playing well. But I mean, I I didn't know if they had it in him, To be honest with you, I, I really wasn't sure if they still had this kind of fight in them. But I'll tell you this: Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and, and Danny Green, some of these other su- support players on that Spurs yeah. team are playing really well right now. Um, and they're
1: going to be in, they're going to be up and down yeah. from from game to game in the series. But if it's the right four games, then yeah, they're tough to beat. I mean, uh, you, I watched the other three guys, <laughs> Manu, Tony, <laughs> and, and Tim, are holding my breath because yeah, right. I just I just know like one wrong step, one in one direction. You know, I'm feeling their pain too. Because yeah. uh, that's how fragile they are, but they just got to keep them together for another, you know, another how many games, uh, nine, ten games, and then who knows, they, they, they're they NBA champions again. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I You know, I'm and I'm torn. I mean, obviously I picked the Grizzlies, um, so I have a, a vested bragging rights interest in my pick coming through. But I, what's the best, and, and let's just be straight up here, what's the best matchup? from a, you know, in terms of series you want to see, who's the best matchup out of the East and West for you to watch, you know, in terms of the series you want to watch?
0: For the finals?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm saying let's, I mean, we can we can do whatever we want here on a hang time podcast. We'll skip ahead. Never mind the conference finals. I mean, who's the who's the best, who who gives us the six or seven game series we, we'd be longing for in the finals?
0: Also, you know, the most entertaining might be Miami Golden State. Mm-hmm in terms of you know you'd have get up and down yeah yeah there'd be a lot of three pointers yeah they both like to push the tempo um and golden state really likes to push the tempo uh be san francisco miami like a a, uh the two coasts going at (laughs) each other you know um i think that might be pretty entertaining for the best basketball um Memphis, Miami, I think might be, uh, or well, San Antonio, Miami too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want
1: to get off my lawn game. <laughs> I want to get off my lawn. San Antonio Spurs. Now at this point, I want to see them, especially after they didn't play in Miami, right? And yeah. they rested. We can pull that out. We can pull that storyline back out <laughs> and revisit that. Yeah. And I think they beat them in. They beat them in San Antonio, didn't they? Miami did, yeah. Yeah.
2: Bosch hit a big Miami shot, or... I think. Yeah, I think okay, if I remember okay, correctly, Bosch right. hit a big shot to win the game. Without without okay. LeBron. Without LeBron playing. Yeah. yeah. Um
1: and, and on top of that, if Memphis goes, then I gotta listen to you oh.
2: <laughs> Yes. Well, you know what? I really I just like the contrast in the finals. Like I like to see two teams that play totally different styles to see whose style wins out. Um and I think that that makes it a great matchup for the Grizzlies or the Spurs. Um, if they were to, you know, to, to, to lock horns with the Heat in the finals. And I notice everybody kind of glosses over the rest of the East and just automatically throws the Heat <laughs> into their scenarios. Like nobody says, well, maybe the Pacers and the Grizzlies. You know, uh-uh. Heat, the Miami Heat have earned the right to me to be everybody's favorite and to be everybody's pick. They've, they've earned that right. But they are the most entertaining team to me because they have the most entertaining player in my eyes. I mean, I yeah. want to see LeBron up against whoever. Because I think that that's what these, you know, in, in any era that I've watched, you want to see the best of the best going against each other for a championship. We got it in the 80s on the regular. Um, we got it with Jordan, you know, for plenty of years during his career where, you know, whoever the best from the West was, whoever came out of the West, you knew they were going to get, they're going to have to try and win a championship against the man, you know. Um, and to me, LeBron is in the heat have earned the the right to be in that position. I'm not sure who the best team in the west is. You know, the Grizzlies might be my pick. I ne- I've never been more unsure of it since Russell Westbrook went down. That hey, from b- between now and next season, no matter how Westbrook comes back, does the does the hierarchy change in the Western Conference next season?
1: Um I don't I think it remains the same. Mm-hmm. I think San Antonio will slide slide even more. Mhm. Um, I think uh, OKC will still remain uh, as, a, as a leading candidate for best record in the West.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, I think I think you'll get, depending on Chris Paul's return, and the Memphis Clipper uh, stature will follow in that. And I don't know what the Lakers will do, but but uh, I I think you got to look at the Golden States jumping in that top four too, maybe shaking things up.
2: Yeah. Well, we could talk about it all day long. Amongst ourselves, which we do every week here on the Hangtime Podcast, but we got our guest. He is the man, Steve Kerr, tnt's and T's analyst. You've heard him, you know, dissecting this Miami Chicago series and talking about all things NBA. He joins us today on the Hangtime Podcast. Steve, how are you, sir?
3: Doing great. Thanks for having me on.
2: Good. Hey, listen. Is this thing? I mean, are we watching the the Bulls' final march here? I mean, is this pretty much it? I think,
3: you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it it feels like it for sure. The way the the last few games have gone, I mean, that, the margin of victory in, in the last three is 22 points for Miami. So, uh, the danger, though, and and Rick, you know, you've been here a thousand times. When when the series gets to this point, the the, the natural instinct for the team that's up is to let down their guard a little bit. And if you do that against a team like Chicago, who was embarrassed last game, you know they're going to fight and they're going to bring a ton of energy. Uh, now all of a sudden you get into a little danger. So my instinct says this is going to be a close game tonight, uh, but Miami will will wear them down and, and finish them off in the fourth quarter.
0: Steve, uh, Lang Whitaker here. Let's talk a little bit about Miami just with Dwayne Wade. He hasn't looked 100%. I don't know. Uh, how much information they're giving out. But if he's not 100%, how does that affect Miami going forward and their title chances?
3: Well, it's going to be interesting. I think Miami was in the same situation a year ago against Indiana, down 2-1 in the conference semis, and and Wade had really battled a knee injury and, and played poorly to that point. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he took off. He went and saw Tom Crean in Bloomington. Everybody talked about the story. Came back had I think he had like thirty plus in in Game Four, and was fantastic the rest of the playoffs. And they won the whole thing. It, we're, we're right back to where we were, but the question is, can Dwayne turn it on again? And and that's uh, that remains to be seen. He's he's no longer an every day superstar. He's he's sort of an every other day. Uh, superstar, and that may be enough uh, because he's got LeBron next to him, but they're going to need more from him, for sure, because the uh, competition's getting better.
1: Steve, uh, looking at that game one, which some may have said was a surprising outcome to start that series, and then comparing it to game two, where it seemed as if the, the Miami Heat put aside any concern for offense and simply brought the best defensive effort they could, and not only changed the series, but kind of reignited their, their focus, seeing a, defense, a defensive effort has to be there to win a championship. But that was beyond the level of defense that we'd ever seen them play, hasn't it? Wasn't it? I,
3: you know, I thought I saw it two years ago against Chicago. We did the East Finals that year. And Chicago had the best defense in the league statistically. But over the last four games, when Miami – after losing Game One, uh, swept the next four from Chicago. Their defense was at, a, at an unbelievable level. So I think they have that gear. They just don't always show it. Uh, but when they do turn it on, they've got so much speed uh, and pressure on the perimeter between, you know, LeBron and Wade and, and Norris Cole on the ball. Their pick and roll defenders, their bigs are, are fantastic. I mean, Chris Bosh is so quick and. Birdman's been a really good addition so they've they've turned it up a notch but the thing that I think we always have to remind ourselves is that this is the Miami Heat this is still the Pat Riley organization that has been built on defense and 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 a mentality of you know we're going to be tougher than you are so even though they're playing small they can always kind of go back to that that mode and and that's what makes them so good.
2: TNT Steve Kerr is joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast at Steve Kerr TNT. I gotta I gotta admit, Steve, I love the, the tweets, man. The the movie reviews. I mean you you cover the gambit, but the the Knicks series I know you've been watching from afar like the rest of us. Are you worried at all about where the Knicks go from here if if they bottom out in this series against the, the Pacers and, and going to the off season, maybe trying to retool that roster instead of maybe letting everything settle before they make some decisions?
3: Well, we got to remember where the Knicks came from. And, and before we pile on them for how poorly they've played, the fact that they're, they are where they are now compared to the last decade is a dramatic improvement. Uh, the, the, the tricky part in the NBA is always, you know, getting to the, the top level, the elite level. It's harder to, to go from where the Knicks are now to the finals uh, than it is to go from the lottery to the playoffs. And that's the next step. And the, the the hard part for them is they're really capped out with a lot of big contracts. And, and you know, Amari's got a couple of years left on a big deal um, with a hurt knee. So they're very limited in what they can do. What's more alarming to me is that they've just lost their identity of the way they played all season long, which was uh, – or not not all season long, but for much of the season, which was spread the floor, attack, move the ball uh their ball movement has been non-existent they've gotten completely isolation heavy and and it's been really sort of tough to watch i mean it's just it's uh very boring basketball and, and <laughs> <laughs> I, I i don't know how and why it happened but uh for a while there in the regular season they were one of my favorite teams to watch not anymore yeah
0: how, how do they fix that, Steve? Is it just a matter of personnel, or is it a matter of uh, a mindset change they have to uh, accept?
3: Some of it is personnel. I mean, when they were clicking, you had Novak on the floor for 20 minutes a game, and Jason Kidd was making three threes um, right. a game. And, you know, he 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 hasn't made a shot in eight games. Novak hasn't played much in the playoffs because of matchups. So they've uh, they've gotten away from kind of who they were personnel-wise, uh, but a lot of it is the mentality, too. They're they they don't, they're not trusting each other, and, and Carmelo and JR are taking way too many uh, difficult shots.
0: I, I saw a lot of Knicks fans on Twitter last night complaining about Prigioni not getting the minutes and, and Novak not getting minutes. Did, I guess in a bigger picture question, do you dictate your lineups to the other team, or, or are the Knicks being dictated to by indiana Uh,
3: that's really usually the uh, the big question in the playoffs i mean if you're lucky enough to have a a roster full of two-way players then you don't have to worry about it but very few teams have that um i would say miami has that i mean you know they're they're defensive minded guys uh they're defensive specialists whether it's battier or haslam anderson they can all do enough offensively to stay out on the floor. Right. Uh, And, and, but sometimes you go into the playoffs and, and you know, you're not sure if your guy, whether it's Novak or whoever, uh, can handle his matchup. And trust me, I know this. I I lived this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I always had to find somebody to guard on the other team. Uh, but that's always the, the question for coaches is, uh, you know, can you, can you play your style and live with the matchups that you have, or do you have to adapt? And, uh, it's tricky it's never easy but um sometimes that's what uh dictates you know who wins a series or not
0: what about this why is it different in the playoffs like why can novak play 20 minutes a night in the regular season but maybe not in the postseason
3: because uh one night he's gonna you know have to guard paul george for a few minutes and then the next night they're playing milwaukee and you know he's on right. somebody who he can handle without a problem and you, you live with it in the regular season, certain matchups, um, but in the playoffs, you, you know, the margin for error is slimmer. If you lose one game, it's, it means much more. And, and so then all of a sudden you cut your, your rotation down, you know, from nine to to seven and a half, and it just it really can change everything.
1: Hey, Steve. Uh, I have a question around the lines of the direction the league is going in in general. This is playoff basketball. We're looking at, you know, the superpowers in the league in, in terms of personnel, uh, and it's been dubbed a you know point guard driven league, yet yesterday I got into a discussion about the MVP, finals MVPs over the last 43 years, and there's only been a handful of point guards that have won final MVPs. Most of the time it's a strong wing, wing player who can score and defend paired with either another strong wing player, a la Jordan and Pittman, LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade, or a playing player, and a big guy who can score and defend. When I look at the landscape right now in the playoffs, the teams that are doing well seem to have that exact same mix. Do you, do you, do you agree with that, or would you start your team with a you know, lead point guard that you think is going to carry you to a championship?
3: Well, I'd start my team with LeBron, but I go, I I know what you're saying. I think it's a great point and it's really a fascinating dynamic that the NBA has going right now that the point guard has become the glamour position and the dominant position, uh but the championships have not been won by point guards uh to, since that shift has happened. I know Parker won an MVP with the Spurs, I guess in 07.
1: The finals in 07.
3: Yeah, but that was that was it. I mean, it two years ago Dirk, last year LeBron uh, this year, I mean, look at Memphis and Indiana, old school basketball, two low-post guys beating you up inside. I still think if you have the talent, then, you know, the the big, powerful teams win out uh, in the NBA, if, if you have those guys. It's just hard to find them anymore, though. There's so few low-post players. Uh, and then, you know, LeBron is LeBron. He's so dynamic that he transcends everything else that the league has to offer. Uh, so yeah, we're in a in a golden age for point guards, but that doesn't mean they're they're winning championships. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. TNT's Steve Kerr joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Steve, we we talk about building a team, and there are six franchises right now without head coaches. I'm wondering, just from you, you know, you put your GM's hat on for a minute, and what. What is, what's on the checklist of things that, you, that you're looking at when you're trying to select a coach in certain situations? Danny Ferry has no roster. He doesn't even have a roster to pair up with a coach here in Atlanta. Um, there are other situations uh, in Philly and, and other places where you, you have a nice roster already set and you have to build around that. What do you look for when you're going down that coaching checklist in terms of what's most important?
3: Well, if a guy hasn't done it before, then you really don't know um, what you're getting. And that's the tricky part. Like, if I was a GM right now, Stan Van Gundy would be my first phone call. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, I've watched Stan for years. He has a great command of his team. He has a standard that he sets every night, and his team responds. And mm-hmm. they, they, they play to that standard. That's what you want. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there you, you who haven't coached yet as a head coach, and you think – okay, I think that guy can do it, but you just don't know. It's a very, very difficult job. Uh, You you have to be very smart. You've got to be creative. You've got to have a good presence. You have to be flexible. You have to get along with people. And if you don't have the right uh, mix of players, um, even then it might not work. Mm -hmm. And and so it's, it's really, really tricky. But, uh, to me, if there's a proven guy out there uh, like Stan, I think you go after him first and, and then you, then you go down the list from there
2: right if you're If you're a team that's going into the draft, Steve, without a head coach, do you wait until you start drafting players in free agency, or do you pick your coach first and then build the team?
3: Uh, it, I think it just depends on how your process is going and, and if you've targeted some people um, if you if you can get the guy you like you get him mm-hmm. but if not you go ahead and you 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 go through with the draft before you uh rush to get a coach you you have to make sure you you get the guy you want and if it doesn't happen by by the time the draft starts you you don't worry about it you just go ahead and and uh try to try to build your team
0: Steve uh getting back to the playoffs is there any team you see that can beat Miami for for a title this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't think anybody will beat them four times. But uh, I've been fascinated all year uh, by a potential San Antonio hmm. uh, matchup with Miami, just because of uh, Parker's brilliance, uh, their ability to go inside to Duncan, uh, and their and their floor spacing their three-point shooting because that's really what what dallas did to miami two years ago and i know miami Mm -hmm. wasn't nearly as good two seasons ago as they are now but you got to be able to stretch miami out move the ball penetrate kick force three or four rotations from their defense you you can't beat them off the bounce you got to beat them with the pass and Mm -hmm. the spurs can do that and then you look at uh, memphis and indiana both teams are really interesting because they can beat Miami up inside and, and on the glass. And that's, as we know, that's a weakness of the Heats. But with all that said, I, I still think Miami will, will win it all.
2: Yeah. TNT, Steve, kind of joined us coming? here
3: on the Hangtime Pack. Who do you see Rick? coming
1: out of the West? No, i so who do you see coming out of the West? San Antonio?
3: Man, I I mean, if if it's San Antonio-Memphis, which it looks to be, I I would probably still favor San Antonio just barely um, because of their superior outside shooting. Uh, But there's so many great matchups there. Conley has become an elite point guard, uh, and and Zach and and, uh, Gasol are so tough to deal with. Uh, but I would probably give San Antonio just a slight edge because I think their uh, their long range shooting could could play out over a seven game series.
0: I can't believe Steve uh, Kerr would favor a team because of their outside
3: shooting. <laughs> 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 That's right. Hey, it makes sense. Steve
2: Kerr of TAT joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Steve, last thing we'll let you get out of here. Um, the the coach of the year stuff came out, and we talked about it last week on the show. Um, and an award season always fills up our time, you know, in between days during the, the postseason. Do you do you look at this league now? And everybody's always said it's talent, you know, it's a talent driven league, not a coach driven league. But then you look at some of these teams like the Bulls and the Nuggets that are, you know, thriving without the traditional superstar talent. Has it shifted at all, or do you still think, you know, at the end of the day, it's about LeBron and, and not about Eric Spolster, It's
3: about Dwayne Wade and not about who's coaching him. I know this is a huge cop-out, but it really is about both. I mean, if you think about the Bulls uh, before Phil Jackson arrived or the Lakers before Phil Jackson arrived, both teams were just loaded with Mm -hmm. talent uh, and, and did not win titles until Phil took over so co- the coaching position has always been critical i mean red Auerbach in boston was the master and then they won but they had talent you have to have both uh, and it has to to work it has to fit together but finding a coach in the nba uh i think is is the maybe the trickiest uh part of, of building a team it's 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 easier to to locate great talent mm-hmm. uh and to draft it or trade for it than it is to to find a, a brilliant coach and uh, but you but in the end if you don't have both you're not going to win, no doubt about it. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Know
2: you're busy and uh, enjoy that game tonight and we'll be watching and listening. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks, Steve dude. Kerr of right, TNT ahead. joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. I'm I'm fascinated, guys, by Rick the the question you asked him too about the uh, the shifting in the league and whether or not it's become a. You know, whether or not you can win when the marquee position has clearly changed from, you know, there was an era when the big man was the marquee position. And then we went through that era when everybody had to have a, a wingman that could, you know, that could either match up with or attempt to match up with Michael Jordan. Um, point guard is clearly the deepest superstar position now in the league, would you say? Uh, Rick and Lion, you guys? Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I, I would say it is. Yeah. But you know what, though? We I broke it down, man. Forty three years of <laughs>
4: Finals
1: MVPs. Two thousand and seven, Tony, Tony Parker was the latest point guard to win that that award. Right, right? Chauncey wanted. Had, I guess he had he had Chaun- Ginobili and Duncan with him. Right, Chauncey Billups okay. won it a
2: couple years before that, I think, too.
1: A couple years before yeah, that, yeah. But that that Finals MVP could have went to anyone on that on that Detroit Pistons team. Sure, with Hamilton. Uh, Rashard, you know Rasheed Wallace. Right. Uh, you know they were all that. That team was a, a defensive-oriented team that found ways to score collectively. Right. They didn't. They didn't have a superstar point guard. Chauncey made big shots, so it, it ended up in his lap. I think. Right. I was at that game. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so and then I was when there you too. go past that, yeah. When you go past that, the next, the next point guard is, is was uh, um, Isaiah Thomas. Right. And Joe Dumars right. which was, you know, he but he's a two guard. Right. And then you got a bunch. You got three other times with Magic Johnson. Yeah. Dennis Johnson was the only one I think uh, when we looked at the list. Dennis Johnson was back in the you know in the '70s when he did it with Seattle. But you don't, you didn't have you don't you would think with forty three years, the point go, if you break it up in fifths, every position being equal value, that there would be at least you know eight. Wins by a point guard. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're talking about a Magic Johnson that's six nine, two fifty, 250, or whatever he was, and LeBron, who's six nine. So, But it, you saw more combinations of small forward two guards that can score and defend, a la Jordan Pittman uh, examples, and you saw more combinations of wingmen with a big guy, a love Kobe Shaq. Right. You know, and, and 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 so at the end of the day, you, you have to—is it a myth? Is it a myth that the point guard—it's a point guard league? Well, look—if you want the sexy uh, point guard uh, that's going to win you games during the regular season, what do you want to win championships? Because at the end of the day, championships aren't being won with star point guards. You could, but you can win a championship with an okay point guard. Yeah, it's been proven across the board.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. You go when you got 4 decades worth of, you know, empirical data to back it up. It's pretty easy to make that argument, you know, and it's it's to me it's a, it's a lot like the argument people make in other sports in football. Like, do you need a great quarterback, you know, or do you know what is the one key position you need when quarterbacks are always winning, you know, Super Bowl MVPs? Because the ball's in, you know, the ball's gonna be in your hands 70% of the time. It's a lot like that with a point guard, but the emphasis seems to me to be so much different. You know, a point guard, even when he's really good and he's, you know, facilitating for his team, he's never gonna win that that Finals MVP if he's playing with LeBron. I mean, you know, Mario Chalmers had a great Finals last year. Yeah. He had a pivotal Finals, but nobody was talking about putting him up for Finals MVP. You know, it's different in basketball. Right. It's, it's totally different.
1: But look at that. The Mario Chalmers, uh, the Derek yeah, Steve Burr, guys that have been paired with great wingmen or great centers, they've been sufficient enough. And in some cases, they've played big minutes in big times, but you wouldn't consider them a point guard of this era where you have the Chris Pauls and the Darren Williams and the the Russell Westbrooks, the the superstar attractive uh, players. There's not a slight on these guys. It's just like the point is, is just that, if you're building a team, are you, are you more enamored with grabbing those guys? And, and look, you know, the argument about the, the, the league is going in a different direction. It's a more wide open pick kick-and-roll, slashing, pitching, penetrating uh, style of play, up-tempo pace. That's because there's no big men in the game right now. Everyone's <laughs> had to go that way. You find a Memphis team with a couple big guys that can beat you up in the paint, and we'll see who wins the championship.
0: Yeah, but I I would argue Memphis doesn't get there without Mike Conley. Right, agreed. But is Mike Conley your superstar point guard? I th- I think he's making a case for himself. Look, he's moving I, in that direction. I, I, look, I think
1: Okay, Rick, but do you start your team with him over Zeebo and and Pabasol?
0: It dep- well, I would well, I would say it depends on who who you have the uh the chance to get. I w- I think I think there's two things here. You know, we, I think we are in the the era of the point guard only because there's so many of them. Uh, And those are the easiest guys to get. Like you said, there's no big men. So if you want to go out and get a guy who you can at least market around, if not win games around a point guards, the easiest one to get there. Um, At the same time, you make a good case. If you're going to win a title that maybe, I don't know, maybe, you know, what Steve was talking about, how playoff basketball is different. Maybe it's not as important to have that when the pace slows down in in the playoffs and in the finals.
2: I don't. I, it's, yeah, it, it's it's tough. I, I think Rick. I think you raised a good point, and I think all all the, you know it always evolves and it's cyclical. I mean, there was a time when you know. The, remember when the, whoever thought that there would be a time when big men weren't as central to championships as they were in in the '80s and '90s. I right. mean, because you had even those championship teams that Matt. You know, the Lakers. Uh, the Celtics, even the bad boys, Pistons, they had a, they had, they didn't have one dominant big man necessarily, but those teams were fueled, you know, in a lot of ways, certainly on the defensive end, by that their rotation of big men. I mean, now you can win with Joel Anthony as your starting center. No, if, no, I'm not knocking Joel Anthony. I'm just saying you can win with a, a less than superstar esque big man in in the league right now. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you well, could do that with, the, with a player at LeBron's position, which is what I'm saying. My point has always been the league bends to whatever the marquee player's position is. When Jordan was in the league, that was the, the key position to me. The, that wing right. player, you had to have a guy on your team that could match or at least attempt to match what Jordan brought at that position. And I think now nah, I agree. I think it's the point guard position is marquee now, but it hasn't. They haven't had a breakthrough to the championship level yet consistently with point guards.
1: Right, and you look at you look at look, look who's doing it now: LeBron and Dwayne Wade. Right. Two, 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 two wing players, and LeBron you might as well consider him a big man. Right, he's a
2: hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he,
1: he's a hybrid, just like a Magic Johnson. But they're doing it because they both score and defend at a high level. Yeah right? But where, where do they get at will? They get in the paint. Championships are won in the paint. LeBron, in this era of basketball players where, where the big men are now facing the basket and they have guard skills, that's that's amazing and awesome, right? But they're actually, when you think about LeBron, if it, the ball is about posting, he has a post-up game as well now, but if the ball is about getting into the paint so that you can collapse the defense and kick out... He just faces you up to get there, blows by whoever he wants to Blows by, get in the paint, and makes great decisions. So he's still a big man at 6'9", getting into the paint. Point guards that are 60, 6'2", yeah, they can break you down, but more times than not, they're either going to pull up for a jump shot or they're going to kick out on the wing. But they're not, at many times, they're not actually in the gut of the paint. And Tony Parker, who won that MVP, was pretty pivotal because he, he was capable of getting into the thing. He scored the most points for point guards or guards in general at the rim. Remember that he was like fifty something uh, percent of his shots were at the rim. It helps so when you. Getting-
2: it, it helps when your matchup, though, on the other side, and it goes back to my point. Who who was he matched up with when he won that MVP? Who was the point guard for the Cavaliers?
1: Twenty seven was it? Was it not the Detroit, <laughs> was, was it the Cavaliers? It was uh, Mo Williams, right?
2: That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, I think a lot of it depends on the matchup. You know, yeah. if, if you get a chance to dominate in the finals, a lot of that is going to be based on who you are going up against night after night. You know, right. I mean, because I mean, if you if you told somebody, "Hey, the the Spurs are going to win championships here, and Tony Parker is going to be the the most, you know, the MVP of, of the finals," that Tim Duncan was still in prime Tim Duncan mode in, in, at that time. You know, and and when they won it in 'oh five, there were a lot of people that thought Manu Ginobili should have been the MVP. Yep. Should have been the finals MVP and not that, Duncan. Exactly, so I mean, it, it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it. depends on. I think so much of it is based on that individual or specific matchup um, in the finals, and and w- and what kind of groove a dude might be in in the finals. By the way, Lang, what in the world does Rick eat on Wednesdays? This dude comes in here jacked, like he comes in here with a new rant every week. What?
0: Oh, what's oh. going on? What are you like? <laughs> been eating, you know Rick's eating beans and food. Eating and power veggie shakes out there. Yeah. Or
1: something. I mean, you, you know, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. Man. I think it's a myth. So, you know why? Because I got into a conversation about, you know, pairing Chris Paul, who I love, mm-hmm. with Dwight Howard at the Clippers. Right. And, and I'm thinking to myself, well, what do you think that's going to get you? You think that's going to get you a championship? It's a, it looks on paper like a great start, but at the end of the day, Chris Paul has had Tyson Chandler. Chris Paul has had you know Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. I mean, and Chris dominates the ball, yeah, because he you know because he makes great decisions with the ball. But at the end of the day, how far has Chris been able to get? Even with some of the great talent he's had
0: with them. Uh, I would argue that there's a drop-off between <laughs> Dwight Howard and, and DeAndre Jordan. Because
1: yeah. <laughs> the conversation started with, would you trade Blake Griffin for, Deon, for
0: um, Dwight Howard?
1: Ooh. Uh, I think and I it's would. It's like, okay.
0: I'd think about you, you that. I'd yeah. have to think about so it, why, yeah. would,
1: why would you do that? Why would you do that?
0: Because uh, a couple of reasons. Dwight's a better defensive player. Um, and I think also okay. Dwight's, I think Dwight's also probably a better offensive player.
2: That's a, that. That would be interesting, though. Would you would you make that move? Would you make that trade? Based are you making it based on the fit with with CP? I mean, if, if I'm the yeah. Clippers and there's no CP around, which we don't know what's going to happen in free agency, but now I'm not. I don't. I'm not parting with Blake Griffin without CP around because I don't know. I don't know that I want so, Eric Bledsoe so, and Dwight Howard as my. So, so let
1: me yeah right. So let me ask you this: I think you definitely win the defensive battle with Dwight, right? right? But I don't think offensively you gain. Anything more? Mm-hmm. I think both have similar post games.
0: Which, which, which and which,
1: I think with the, with Blake Griffin, you got a better upside of him actually developing a post game than Dwight, <laughs> ten years who has the same post game he had when he started.
2: Right. I, I in defense of Chris Paul, by the way, he's not played on a team with the sort of setup that these other his contemporaries have that have won championships. I mean, right. the right. Miami situation I, I is baseball. very unique. Right. Um, they have a, they have something that no other team in the league really has: three viable superstar talents in the primes of their careers. And some people would argue that D Wade is, is on a decline. I'm, I'm not. You know, I, I thought it was interesting. Steve Kerr mentioned that he's a, he's an every other day superstar, which is a, you know, yeah, it, it's sobering. But it, it might be true based on the way his health has been. But that's, that's such a unique situation. And then you look at the limited number of teams that have won championships the yeah. last 20 years. It's not like every superstar player who's come through the league has just magically been a, on a championship team or a championship contender. I mean, there have been a lot of great, great players who have come through the league, and for whatever reasons, whether it's the, the, the situation they're in, the teammates they have at that time, have not been able to get a team to a championship level. Chris Paul at least takes a team... That, that without him is not an also-ran and makes them a, a factor. I mean, right. the Hornets were a factor. I mean, the, now the Pelicans, but the Hornets were a factor with Chris Paul and Tyson Chandler playing some of the best basketball of his career when he played with Chris Paul.
1: Blake- okay, but that's, my, that's that brings us back to the, the conversation we started with. Right. You can be a factor with these point guards that are great players, but are you going to win a championship? And so you keep your job as a general manager, you keep your job as a coach, but is that the right formula to winning a championship? Great point guards who, who, who make great decisions, get you wins in the regular season, dominate the ball, but at the end of the day, do you win championships? And I don't I am not seeing it.
2: I think you know what I think, Lang? I think when a point guard becomes one of the five truly best players in the league regardless of position then maybe we'll see that because pretty much that's what you've won championships with over the you know when you look at the course of history and over the test of time you usually win with what
0: one of the five best one of the five best best dudes in the league
2: or more on your team
0: yeah
2: and when's the last time we had when's the last time a point guard by position strictly a point guard was one of the five best players in the league year after year. I mean, Isaiah, Magic, during their era. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know that Tony Parker's been one of the five best players regardless of position in the league during his career. I think, you know, I mean, that's – and that's basically the difference. I mean, yeah, if you're talking about championships, it's a different standard. And I think it it doesn't matter what position. The point guards that played for the Bulls when Michael Jordan was there, it it, it didn't matter who they were because they had Jordan – to, to control the action and facilitate and handle when when games were on the line,
0: right?
2: And I'm not right. I'm not I'm not saying that they were inconsequential. I'm only saying whether they were the point guard or not playing with Jordan, it really wouldn't have mattered at crunch time because Mike was going to have the ball in his hands.
0: Look at some of the point guards Rick played with.
2: Fisher, yeah. Was, yeah I mean, right. Steve Fisher. I mean, um, Steve Derek Fisher was great. You yeah, know? but he wasn't top. But yeah, you know, but he, he was never. No. He wasn't a top five point guard. He wasn't top five at his position, let alone top <laughs> five in the league. No, right. So I mean, it's... look at
1: the, the Chicago days: B.J. Armstrong, Steve Kerr. They were yeah. great players. Yeah, but they weren't top five in their position. To, right.
2: to me, it begs the question about there: if you're if your team is if you're the Chicago Bulls or the Boston Celtics, or who whatever team Chris Paul plays for, when you're a team that's built first and foremost on the bedrock of this point guard is the center of our team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Will be you know entering in that same realm here with Kyrie Irving in the next few years, if if my team is centered around this point guard, and and we we all agree there's a you know a ton of them running around the league right now, what are my championship chances? I think an interesting case study, Rick, that we won't get to see this year is the Thunder with Russell yep. Westbrook going down. We you know that might have been a case where you argue the merits of which one of those two guys is more crucial to their success. And if had they gotten back to the finals and done something, then you could maybe have a you know have something new to bring into the lab. But we won't see that this year.
1: Okay, but I would argue that Russell Westbrook and and Kevin Durant are two wing players that mm-hmm. score and defense. Right, just like LeBlanc and Dwayne Wade, yes, right. they handle the ball, but they're not pure point guards. so sure. this has been argued all day long
0: that Russell Westbrook is really not a point guard. Right, I don't know what he. he was, I don't know what he is, but I know he's needed right now in Oklahoma City. To, to me, the Westbrook. Oh my gosh. To, <laughs> me, to me, being without Westbrook, and I wrote this today on the on NBA. dot com. To me, it's more than anything; it's sort of exposed Kevin Martin and Serge Ibaka as not being at the level we, maybe we thought they were at yeah. as supporting players. Who, you know, their points per game have been flat from the regular season to playing without Westbrook in the playoffs. Yeah, um, And, you know, when Westbrook went down, we thought those guys step it up, and, and they really haven't.
2: I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm saying there's a huge argument to be had, Rick, as you mentioned, but I think it's so much more complex than just, you know, The best players in the league, who are the best players in the league during that 42 year stretch? We go down team by team, and there have been, what, maybe a handful of championships won without at least one of those dudes, if not two, on on somebody's roster. Who were the five best players in the league that year when the championship was won? Then look who won the championship, and I guarantee you, 98% of the time, one of those dudes, one of those top five players was on the team that won the championship. Yeah. Yeah. I think you
1: added a new ingredient to it, which is absolutely right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, it's that's I mean, it's a great like I said, it's a great topic you brought up, and I'm I'm glad we had uh, Steve Kerr around if and Let's knock it you around.
1: Unlike 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 get off my lawn, I don't want Chris Paul getting <laughs> off my lawn. I don't want any of the top point guards getting off my lawn. Point guards uh, get think, off my think, lawn. <laughs> yeah, no, they they are they're great players. I just I'm, I just started to come across this yesterday, and I'm thinking,
2: man, that L A. that L A. traffic is great. I mean, it it inspires all sorts of. All sorts of stuff in Rick Fox because I know what it is. It must be you stuck on the four hundred five or something, you know, carpool dad, and you mess around and you know what? You want to holler at some limo with a Hollywood starlet in it, and you just go off on a ramp, man. That's, Wednesdays are <laughs> this is my favorite day of the week, guys. The conference finals are upon us here. I mean, the next time we talk to everybody, they'll they'll be cranked up. Um, what, what do you? What does it look like in the East and West to you, Lang? In terms of who's going to make it through and how they match up.
0: I think Miami makes it through.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, in the West, I think Memphis is going to make it. I know um, San Antonio has experience, and they yeah. have all sorts of different things they can do. But Memphis, to me, is is kind of hot right now. Wow. And um, Gasol's playing great. Uh, Zach's playing great. But most importantly... And I know Rick hates point guards, but uh, <laughs> but Mike Conley's playing great. <laughs>
2: right, right. So you think uh, it's uh, you think it's Spurs, Grizzlies in the West with the Grizzlies coming out?
1: Yeah. All right. I'm going uh, since uh, since I hate point guards. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going um, I'm going Indiana, Memphis. Hmm. Wow! All boring NBA final cities.
2: Are you serious? No. You, you think the Pacers could could beat the Heat?
1: I've been saying it all year. Wow. Bragging rights champion yep. right there for now. That's right? Thank you,
0: Thank you Greg. <laughs> Thank you for pointing out that actually did, I may know something. <laughs> how do they, Rick, how do they, you can be quick about it, how do they beat the Heat? Look, I don't,
1: I'm not getting paid by the
0: Heat. They don't need to know these details <laughs> to defend themselves.
1: Now, if they want to send some send some consulting funds this way maybe i can talk
2: to them. <laughs> so i mean wow that that's a, i mean that would be you talk about uh, turning the playoffs upside down that would be whoo. nobody would see that coming even with the pacers playing as well as they have um and they still have to get by the Knicks, obviously we're, we're projecting here um i i don't see any great comebacks from the thunder or the Knicks, by the way, in, in the conference semifinals. So I'm definitely going with a pacers Heat matchup in the Eastern Conference finals and a you know Spurs-Grizzlies matchup in the West. I, I love the Grizzlies coming out of the West, as I have all season. I've had to explain that to people, you know, nonstop throughout the playoffs on some of these radio shows and stuff. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah, you're picking the Grizzlies now. And I'm like, no, son, let me send you the link.
0: You don't know the hang time, Grizzlies? You know
2: what I'm saying? I'm like, let me make sure you understand. So... I've gone back and had to remind people that I think I think the Heat and Grizzlies is is a finals matchup that that all 80s babies and people who grew up watching the NBA in its heyday could appreciate because it's going to be it's going to be like Jordan trying to get through the bad boys Pistons Troy. to me. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's going to be one of those type series where whose will is greater, you know, uh who can raise their level of play to that highest level. And the other Thing I really like, we met, you know, we talked about it uh, with the every other day superstar, as, as Steve Kerr called him. Right. What does Dwayne Wade give you, you know, in a physical pound you grind you down series like that? Danny Green guarding Dwayne Wade would be, you know, I, I think that's a matchup that Dwayne Wade wins, even if Danny Green is is playing at his highest level. Tony Allen trying to body Dwayne Wade up in the finals. Um, I, that I'm, I, I want to see that. I mean, that's something that I'd like to experience. Tayshaun Prince getting a chance to redeem himself against LeBron after the way LeBron did the Pistons back in the day when he was in Cleveland in the wouldn't playoffs. Like
0: to, don't you think? Don't you think they'll put LeBron on Zebo or, or I wouldn't. Like, Ooh. I wouldn't. would that be a new really? matchup? I wouldn't. Wow. Who, who would you put
1: on him?
2: I don't know, Bird, but I'm not Birdman.
0: I mean, I don't want Zebo I don't want
2: Zebo getting a, totally getting up in totally, LeBron's totally. grill.
1: Tony Allen's guarding uh, Kevin Kevin Durant this series, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the combination of Tony Allen and what? what why, why am I even talking about this? Miami's not going to the
2: finals. <laughs> I'm just saying, though. No. I mean, that, I wouldn't want – if I'm the Miami Heat, I don't want LeBron trying to deal with Zebo every night in that series. Mm-mm. No.
0: I just – I don't think they have many options.
2: No, they don't. I'm saying, but I'd feel better with Udonis Haslam and Shane Batty. I'll figure something out. I yeah, might have I'm to go bigger saying. and play, di- but I don't want LeBron arm wrestling with Zebo every night. That could be problems. Hmm. That could that could be.
0: I think I'd take my chances with LeBron there.
2: I don't know. I don't want LeBron getting preoccupied and caught up in the the physical madness that Zebo brings to you every night. I don't know that I want that because I think LeBron needs to be free to play the point forward facilitator slash you know do it all LeBron as opposed to having to worry about going down there on the block. Zebo is not going to play on the perimeter with LeBron. He's going to take LeBron down to the house and take him right down to the paint and see if he can abuse him. You know. Do you think he can abuse him? I think it would be a physical physical test for LeBron cuz he you know, we've never seen LeBron guard somebody at at that position in the places where he would have to guard Zebo game in and game out in a seven-game series. We hadn't seen that yeah. I don't. I'm not saying. I
1: think, I think that's dangerous. I think it's dangerous. Yeah, I think for that, Miami to think of that.
2: Yeah, that would be. That would make me nervous because you're gonna have Bosch on Gasol, right? More than likely, um, which is another one. That's 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 tall order for Chris Bosch if that would happen. You know, that would be a. Yeah, I, I, I like man. those matchups, even though Rick says that the Heat are not going anywhere near the, the uh, finals this year. Rick, that's Rick I didn't Fox. Near. Everybody in Miami, that's Rick Fox. Oh, Rick A. Fox. We get his address.
1: Near. <laughs> you want to know why? Here's why. Here's why. Okay. Not that they shouldn't. It's not that I don't think they were poised to. I'm concerned about Dwayne Wade. Yeah. I'm really concerned about him because I don't think he, he's capable of being the way we know he needs to be right and at that point if he his health is an issue you know th- that that's that's concerning to me if i'm a heat fan like yeah. seriously you know and so you started talking about him having to take off games so that he can maybe get a good you know get a good game at some point you know in this series here against the bulls if need be they're fortunate to have to be able to rest him right but that's you know that's telling man and and I hope he. I hope for the Heat's sake that he does. He's able to, you know, run out the rest of the series and piece together a healthy run. Because yeah. I'm not rooting against them. Sure. I don't think, think they go
0: very far without him playing. Yeah, yeah I just I least, think. Remember, remember earlier this season, there was him. everyone thought he was done. Remember at the beginning of the season, there was all that talk about what happened to Dwayne Wade. Charles Barkley said he's not the same player he used to be. Uh, and then he kind of flipped a switch or whatever happened, and and they get hot, and he plays great, and they win, and they have that streak and all that, and now he's struggling again a little bit. I think he's not done, and I also think in terms of getting rest, Rick, you know this, like now's the time when you start playing, what, two games a week, three games a week? It, it slows down even more than it has been, and there's more built-in time there for him to, to – Recuperate and and get well, and um. yeah. But Lang
1: also the intensity ratchets up too, though.
0: Yeah, you right. You know the yeah.
1: intensity and the physicality ratchet up, and and you know and it's, and it's another month of basketball still. You know, so yeah. I just hope he makes it through it because yeah. I want to see him there. I just don't. I just right now, something tells me you know, they got to help their team over there in Indiana, who's playing again once again like they had been playing earlier on. So.
0: That's interesting. I wonder if if Pacers next go 7 and then if Miami wins tonight they get what a week off until they have to play again. Um,
1: that could make all the difference right there. Yeah. yeah. So,
2: interesting, interesting stuff. As always here on the Hang Time podcast. Big shout out to TNT Steve Kerr for joining us this week. Fantastic stuff from him. Uh I'm going to go blow out the birthday candles, me and the Wiggles. Appreciate that uh, opening serenade, boys. The, that was the Comedy Muppets. Comedy as always. Just,
0: just so you know, that was the Muppets.
2: I know, but I'm just saying, y'all, y'all are always hitting me below the belt. Shack, killing me on there, on on the inside with the picture, you know, all that good stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get everybody back at some point. Believe me, you will not see it coming, boys. The retribution will be nasty. But we will see you again next time, right here on the Hangtime Podcast later happy 50th birthday <laughs>
4: happy birthday
2: it's your
4: birthday it's your birthday happy birthday
2: to you it's your birthday <laughs> <laughs> that is straight stupid
1: thanks for listening to the hang time podcast to download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, matata.